Good morning, everybody. Afternoon or evening from wherever or whenever you are listening or watching today's podcast. I'm Adam Parry, the editor at Event Intro News. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, Alex, the founder and CEO of, of Sastock, um, which is an event, actually multiple events, right? Um, for a community of SAS founders and investors. And Alex brings lots and lots of people all together in some great events around the globe. Um, Alex, for those listening or watching, could you do probably a better job of introducing yourself than me and giving a, an overview of what SAS stock is? Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Thanks, uh, thanks, Adam, and thanks for uh, in inviting me to, to to be a guest on on the show. Um, yeah, so SAS stock, uh, you know, we we've uh, been running uh, events around the world uh, for just over four years now um, for the SAS community, but specifically. Uh, for SaaS founders, B2B SaaS founders, uh, their exec teams and investors. Uh, generally, uh, anybody that has a real SaaS business and is looking to grow and scale that business. So it's not uh, for, for those that are thinking about uh, you, you know, building a SaaS business. It, it's really those with real businesses. And then okay. uh, we put on content for them, which is really kind of practical, actionable content to help them you know, scale their businesses and take it to the next level. So we're pretty well known for, for the content kind of side of things. Uh, initially, the, the, the first event that we did, we held, I held it in Dublin. Uh, I'm from the UK, but I decided to do it in, in Dublin. I thought that uh, it was a better home for, uh, for, for, for events than London. Um, uh, generally, in my experience, I've had more, more fun there. It's a smaller city and like in London, people can get a little bit lost after an event and you miss that kind of sense of community and serendipity. Um, so we took the first one in, in Dublin, was supposed to be European, um, uh, you know, for the European market, but mm. actually became very global. Um, you know, people just started buying tickets from Brazil and India and, you know, Australia. Someone came from Australia, you know, for the first event. I was like, are you mad? You know, it's kind of crazy. So it, it became a global event from, from, from day one. Um, we had uh, 700 attendees from 34 countries at the first SAS doc. Uh, you know, four years later, <clears throat> uh, we, we had like six conferences last year in five continents, um, arguably too many. It, it was certainly challenging. We went from one to six. Uh, and, um, you, you know, that was a, a sort of challenge internally, which we can or, or can not get, get into. It depends. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, so we're now, you know, uh, running global events, you know, a, a global business headquartered in London. You know, I'm, I'm the CEO and founder. The first time um, running a business, the first time in events. I wasn't in events before. So, um, you know, pretty crazy. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's been, you know, it's been going well and, uh, you know, until it wasn't uh, when, uh, when coronavirus, uh, you, you know, came, came about. Wow. You, I mean, congratulations for a start of, of going from not organizing events to organizing events as well as running a business launching a very successful event by the sounds of it and then doing the crazy thing which i think most event organizers want to do or try and do which is go right well we can replicate this multiple times around the world and support those people that not necessarily um, so i would love to talk a little bit more about that because i think there's probably many people including myself who has a successful event in london who who aspire to that you know they aspire to, to do that but understand the the pain and trouble that comes through just organizing one event, never mind a series of events on the back of, you know, back-to-back -back kind of scenario. So I'd, I'd yeah. would love to, to talk to you a little bit more about that. Um, Alex, before, before events then, what did you, what did you actually do? What was your, what was your full-time profession? Yeah, I, I was in sales um, for my sins, but I know a lot of people say that, but um, I, I, I went traveling years ago and then I needed a job. 
uh, had a degree and uh, just went to a graduate recruitment company, ended mm-hmm. up in sales. And, you know, for 11 years, I was selling other people's products, so largely kind of, you know, IT, voice over IP, then cloud computing. And so, a lot, you know, it became a kind of, you know, tech kind of sales career. Mm-hmm. The last few years of that, I was working in this cloud computing company called Parallels. Uh, and um, at that point, this was around sort of 2009, 2012, uh, I started to get a bit more interested around SaaS or started to learn about it uh, and see that there was kind of exciting, you know, to me, companies coming out uh, like, you know, Dropbox and Twilio and Evernote and, uh, you know, probably a few more. Um, and I thought, oh, this is, you know, it's now making, you know, uh, software a little bit, you know, sexier, but better to use, you know, the consumerization of, you know, enterprise software, whereas no disrespect to, to Parallels, the former employers, but we, we had this big on-premise, you know, software platform that, you, you know, uh, you pay for a perpetual license, it takes a year to install, you know, by that point, it's kind of like out of date. And then, at, you, you know, out of the woodwork was coming like all of these new competitors where it's like, you know, spin up a demo in, you know, five minutes and you're using the software and you don't really need that much training. And so I got really interested at that point, um, started to learn more about it um, and then thought, was it, uh, I think it was around 2015, um, I, I thought, well, maybe I should kind of, like, I'm looking for this entrepreneurial thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what it is yet, um, but, you know, I'm in my 30s you know, at that point and thinking, well, I don't, I don't want to be selling, you know, other people's software for the rest of my life. Um, so let, I want to figure this out, but I have no idea. Um, yeah. But what I did start was um, I thought I'm just want to push myself and, and do different things like right now. And, and, and so I started doing a blog. Um, I'd never written a blog before. Um, and uh, I thought, what I should, what should I do a blog on? I'll do it on SaaS because I'm currently interested in, in SaaS, right? Uh, and then I sort of quickly realized that, you know, having not written for a long time, you know, not done a blog ever uh, and not being an expert in SaaS, that that was probably doomed for disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, however, again, maybe this was my first ever pivot uh, thinking about it now. Right. Um, and I'm sure we're, people are allowed more, more than one. But um, uh, I, I realized my, the, these challenges, the, the, the difficulties that I faced in, in pursuing this idea. Um, and I thought, well, why, why not turn it into a community driven blog, right? Yeah. Whereby I get influencers that actually know what they're talking about and actually can write to contribute content to this. Um, and then that was, that was the idea. And then, uh, you know, given that this was a, a new blog, uh, I'm thinking about, you know, reaching out to these influencers saying, Hey, you know, can you, uh, write some original content, you know, give it to this blog, which, you know, has no readers, uh, but here's the idea, here's the why, you know, behind it. Uh, can you do that and, you know, give up a few hours of your time and give us your content and I'll own it. Um, and, but I'll say I own it, the community, you know, the yeah. blog owns it. Surprisingly, like, every, you know, it was so easy to get people like on board with that. And every time I was like, I can't believe, you know, you're giving this content and you're doing it for free, but pe- people did it. Uh, and so the blog grew pretty rapidly on the back of the fact that we had influencers, you know, contributing the content. Um, and so within a few months we had, you know, a, a good number of views, maybe kind of like 30,000 to like visitors per month. Um, and then I thought, why don't I start a podcast uh, as well? 
never done a podcast before and again like I, I used to uh part of my friends shit myself like before going on the podcast like oh i'm speaking to you know the ceo like he's going to find out that i know nothing about i won't understand like what he's talking about and so I had that real imposter syndrome mm -hmm. uh, like every time and the nerves you know on the on, on the podcast uh, you know back then um and so did the podcast and that supplemented that uh, supplemented you know the blog and then i was like why don't i why isn't there a SaaS meetup in london uh, I thought this is strange. I was like, okay, I'll do it. I've got all this drive like right now. So like, I'll, I'll do that. And so um, I partnered with someone to do the first London SAS meetup. Okay. 100, 120 people came uh, to the, the first event. You know, people came down from Sheffield and, you, you know, from like from Brighton and so on. A lot of these people are like, founders that have sold and exited their businesses. And now like, you know, that came, uh, they were at the early stage, you know, of their business. And we all kind of connected you know, and we're formed together, you know, with this bond of, you know, having this community uh, sort of like meetup. Uh, and then after a few of those, I think I did about eight in total. Um, you know, the conversations were like, Alex, why don't you run a conference? It'd be great to do this at a bigger scale and bring everyone together. So yeah, it's like, it's a nice idea, but, um, and I'm looking for ways to, you, you know, monetize, uh, you, you know, the blog, Sascribe and, you know, the podcast. And, uh, and we tried advertising, but really, you know, there wasn't really a future in in that you know at the time in terms of you know you know the 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 viewership and listenership that we have yeah so uh so yeah i was like well re uh, conferences are another way to you know monetize sort of like media and communities um the pros are that we've built this audience we've been building this audience right and that i've got this drive and kind of passion and you know i built this network i think they could do it cons are i've never put on an event before right and i guess yeah. like when you're starting a business, they say you've got to be passionate, you know, and it's it's beneficial uh, or, you know, that you've got experience, you know, in, in what you're going to do. Not having the experience, you, you, you know, uh, was the big drawback. But I kind of, more people I spoke to, more convinced I became. So I ended up, uh, you know, quitting my job, uh, going all in on this and uh, using, I had like six months runway to, to get it off the ground. Um, and yeah, just ended up doing it. Nearly ran out of money, but you, you know, did it in the uh, uh, did it in the end. So, so that, that that was that. Man, that's an amazing story. And and actually, I love hearing individuals like yourself who have you know grassroots built a community. I think that's so important when it comes to the events industry. So I see so many events launch and fail because they launch into a market where they've they've not got any brand equity. There's there's no loyalty. There's no community. They've not people don't trust them. And therefore, it literally just looks like they're trying to extract money out of a sector, right? And, and, and they, they're, they're doomed to failure nine times out of 10, unless yeah. they buy one of the big, big, kind of like big boys out there that can just destroy it in terms of money and revenue and people and all that kind of stuff and, and build that really quickly, actually. So they, they are, they are good at doing that. But you know, what, what, what is akin to me and, and my organization is, is we did exactly the same as you. We, we, we worked for two years on event industry news before we actually made that a, a business. And then we built a community around that, did exactly the same, bring individuals in, um, talk to them, report on them, wrote about their experiences and stuff and shared that. And then off the back of that found for us in particular, there was a huge interest in event technology and nothing specifically saving, saving that market. So we've, we've had a very similar similar journey, although I would argue that I'm probably more lucky in the fact that I could speak to anybody about how to organize an event and they tell me for free. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think the beauty about it is if, if you've got all those foundations in place, 
then actually the event delivery is something that you can learn and you can go out there and you can talk to suppliers and other individuals to learn what an event is and what it looks like and how to build it. What you can't do is build an audience out of the box ready to go to the event just because you've decided to launch an event, right? Yeah. Um, and, and clearly now because you had a very successful event, first year event, and then went into subsequently support, you know, different regions around the world. Six, six now you said, right? Yeah, well, uh, we, we, we paired that back uh, to, it was supposed to be five this year. We decided to go from six to five, uh, and then we reduced it further to, to four, because we merged our Australia uh, and Asia conference to do an yep. Asia pack one. Yep. Uh, but again, like right now, it, it's not even certain that we can do, you know, any of those or, or perhaps unlikely. Sure. And I think that's another lesson learned, isn't it? You can, you can try something and the events industry is great for this. You can go, right, we might want to support an event there. We've had events. We had an event called um, uh, Event Tech Talks, which was a series of just meetups to similar the same to you. They started off amazingly well, really huge community of folk, and then they just became a little bit too, oh, this is the normal thing that happens and it's not on people's agenda high up. So we kind of went, well, that's, it's not no longer worth pursuing that kind of thing. And I think, you know, it's not worth chasing something down if it's better to come together and combine of something or actually you know, pivot somewhere else and, and do something else. Let me ask you a question, and this kind of brings us on to what we're talking about today, which is your own pivot from face-to-face -face to virtual in the in the in the current climate, if virtual had have been the option back when you had that first event, do you think you'd have gone that, that route or do you think you'd have still gone face to face? I, I think back then I, I would have gone face to face. Um, like virtual, uh, certainly uh, I think the technology that we have available now wasn't there then, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and um, you, you know, the virtual events that I've seen over the last couple of years have really been nothing much and, and no offense to anybody that's been sort of running them because they perhaps have been sort of the pioneers right but uh have been like you, you know uh zoom calls on steroids right whereby yeah. it's you know me and you or two people chatting and then you've just got loads of people watching and maybe a bit of chat happening in the chat box right uh, and and that's it right so e e e either it's just like a you know a very large webinar or that you know, people are calling it a virtual conference because there's a lot of content and the focus is just being content, right? But the rest of that experience, right? And the, I think the value, the power of people connecting, connecting in person was perhaps obviously, you know, if, if we'd looked four years ago, had we had the options, you know, I would have said, yeah, connecting in person, mm -hmm. you, you know, nothing better, right? You know, let's get everybody, let's get this global community, everyone to fly to Dublin, right? Have, uh, and we had like, you know, have these magic moments where, you know, one of them was like just before the day of the conference, um, the first one in, in Dublin, uh, Point Nine Capital arranged like um, like a, a private event for the attendees of Sastock. Yeah. Uh, and, and I went to that and they had like 50 people from 50 different cities around the world. Uh, and it was quite a magical moment. They're all entrepreneurs that were dying to talk to each other uh, and just kind of share stuff and just let it happen. Right. And it was like, wow, you know, I've helped you know, facilitate, why I didn't organize that event, I've helped, yeah. you know, you know, bring yeah. that together. And, and that, that's quite magic, right? Um, and, and we've had a lot of these, you know, magical moments, you know, year after year, bringing back, you know, the same people, the families connecting, bumping into people across Dublin, uh, you know, having pints, staying out, you, you know, later than I should, you know, during the conferences and coming, coming back in quite, you know, with a cotton mouth on the main stage on the second, second day, right? But, um, but yeah, you, you know, there's so many kind of those moments and experiences, which again, 
will be very difficult to replicate kind of online. But, I, I totally but, agree, yeah. yeah, but also the world, the world is changing, right? Uh, and, 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 and again, like, you, you know, uh, after or wherever it kind of leads to, you, you know, once we're all out of lockdown and, you know, everybody's been vaccinated against coronavirus and, you know, there'll be sort of considerations, I think, you know, uh, for a lot of people and businesses about travel, about health, uh, you know, about the appetite to, you know, go back to large mass gatherings, uh, you, you know, and so on. And so really kind of a lot of things to kind of think about within the event industry. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. And, and I think right now that is is what's missing from virtual events when you go to face-to-face -face events. It's, it's much more than just what content's on or, or where that event's located or what vendors they might have there exhibiting and sponsors. The, the, the kind of business element side of things, right? You're either there to educate yourself or you're there to potentially buy or change supplier or whatever it is. But actually, a lot of the time, people I, I know within in, events industry events, it's kind of like, are you going to such and such? Are you going to such and such? Are you going to this event? And it's the same group of people because you kind of create event friends, don't you? Kind of like the people that you know that are going to a specific event. And you're right. It's like, oh, should we just meet in that pub that we met in last year and have another chat? I think what's also missing from virtual events, which I'd, maybe technology can take care of this. I'm not quite sure. But it's like, I'm sat in a pub with you and, and, and I know you and, and Alex, I know Dave sat across from you, but you guys don't know each other, but I know you should talk because I know, because I know both of you, you've got so much in common and there might not be no, any financial or business related kind of thing right there and then, but you two should talk because there's definitely a connection there. You, you're like-minded, et cetera, et cetera. How does that play out in virtual events? I can't see it at the moment without it kind of being forced. Yeah. Because the, the environment doesn't necessarily attune to that introduction kind yeah. of thing. And some yeah. of the best people I've met have been through that, that way of working. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and again, I mean, I, I think uh, online events, on, online conferences, they're going to be, um, they're going to have similarities, but it's also going to be a different experience, right? Uh, and so uh, I, I do think, you know, uh, in, in the future, uh, there's going to be room for both uh, and we will be incorporating both. Uh, um, and, and yeah, there's, there's going to be so many kind of like, as you say, these, these, these magic moments that, that you have at in-person events that will perhaps perhaps never be, you know, replicated, um, you, you know, online. But again, yeah. online will, you know, has it, its kind of other advantages and, and benefits as well for, for attendees and event organisers uh, as well, which we can get into. What, what do you think then, before we talk about your own experience in, in, in you know, being forced, I suppose, somewhat to, to, to pivot to virtual other than kind of delay or postpone or reschedule for the following year, what benefits have you seen or do you see as that person now doing this? Do you see any benefits over potentially a face-to-face -face event that a virtual event offers? Is there any pros to, to, to offering a virtual event other than the fact it's the best option now because we can't do face-to-face? -face? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think there's definitely uh, some pros um, uh, for sure. Um, uh, I think if we look at it, uh, I would say your cost is, is one. Um, you know, certainly online events, and, and actually, this this was something that was difficult for us to sort of have these kind of share, like coming up with pricing and, and looking at this, mm -hmm. right? So when we decided to pivot, um, you know, we're like, okay, we we've obviously done in-person events, we know how to price 
for an in-person event and we was we know what our costs are going to be we know what you know we we money that we need to make and you know how to kind of price that right um with the online events we didn't necessarily know initially what are the costs going to be mm -hmm. We knew they're going to be much lower, and, and like we do know now. Uh, uh, and um, uh, you know, for the pricing, you look at the market, right? And generally, most of the the virtual events that are happening right now are free, right? Yep. So we're yep. competing. We're competing against free, and there's not a lot of market uh, sort of information in terms of for us, you know, how to price it. Um, so we had to do a, you know a bit of research, but also a bit of kind of finger in the air. Uh, you know around that and uh, I even I went to you know some uh, virtual uh, event uh, people that you know had a, a, I would say masters but you know had a lot of experience and run uh, events before and they said I said like here's my pricing that I'm thinking about going with and they're like look you, you know um, we think that you won't be able to sell tickets because you're competing against free and that's our experience you know kind of to date so we advise you to go with free pricing you know, kind of focus on sponsorship. I was like, well, you know, mm. okay, first of all, that's not really going to help the business, right? Not an amazing uh, revenue model, is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Se second of all, uh, because again, if we look at like virtual conferences, I think in the past, when we thought about them in the past, I'd thought about it as a marketing funnel to, you know, mm. get emails, like put on some great content, spin it up, you know, put it for a day, run some great content, get a few thousand emails and that goes in, you know, to the funnel for, to help us with the main event. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people are like thinking about in, in the past, but now, you know, this is the, the only option for, you know, for, for profit, you know, uh, event organizers. Um, so if you're for profit, you know, and this has to be, rep, you know, replace, you know, the, the events that you you've been running, like there, you, you have to charge somewhere or you have to have some sort of, you know, a business model, pricing model for this, whether it's all sponsorship or, you know, sponsorship and pricing, which has always been ours. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I, I disagreed with them because I was like, no, we, we have to, we have to charge. Uh, and then, uh, you know, also in my mind, I'm thinking, well, the whole team, the whole company, I'm going to put, you know, we've got 24 people, uh, everybody for the next 90 days, this is the only thing they're doing. Everybody's got their, you know, priorities. Everybody's got their tasks that they're doing. Uh, if 24 people are working on this, you know, for 90 days, it's going to be, in my mind, it has to be, you know, exceptional. And there has to be a value like play, placed on that, right? In terms of both the value that we're creating for the customer, but also the effort that we're putting into this. It's not like everybody work on this for 90 days and let's give it away for free, right? Um, so, so that was my mindset whilst I was very strong around, let's get in the pricing and, 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 uh, but also the, the buyer then will be looking at the rest of the market and seeing, well, these events are free. Sastock is, you know, is charging, you know, which one should we go to? So in this instance, I think it is, it's, it's obviously sort of useful and beneficial to, to have that existing community, yeah. that brand loyalty. Right. Um, so we're seeing that, you know, with the community, uh, as well displaying the value over and above, I think, you know, some of these, uh, you know, free events. So uh, the day after we launched, so we, we launched very quickly from, you know, postponing events to, to going virtual. The day after we launched virtual and announced it, our, our main competitor launched their virtual event, right? Yeah. Um, uh, with their landing page, which was you know, pretty, uh, pretty basic, but you know, the premise was good and it was free and, they, and it was bigger. And then, so, so then we're like competing against free, uh, and, and I'm sure many buyers are thinking, well, competitor A, you, you know, is free. Sastock is, is, you know, is charging. Which one should I go to? Arguably, you could go, both, go to both, right? Because they're not on the same day. 
um, but, but that would be a challenge. But we saw that people were, uh, you know, have been prepared to pay. Um, you know, we're selling tickets. So I'm happy that, you, you know, we, we, we did that. I'm really glad you explained your decision process around that because I'm sure, in fact, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, um, I'm, there's no question about it. I'm, I'm in a group with a lot of influential event organizers who have been communicating with each other and having those same conversations. How are you charging? How are you justifying charging? Um, should you do part free, all free, long term? What, what kind of strategy is it and why? Um, how are sponsorship agreements being drawn up? What's the ROI around that? Yeah. And that's a whole nother kind of like ball of stuff that's just a total separate conversation probably to what we are now. But my own opinion and one that I've been saying, although we don't charge people to attend Event Tech Live, I think great events like yours, which are content-led, are, you know, the expectation is there to pay for face-to-face. The work that you put into that although there may be some cost savings for you, which it's good to see that you've obviously passed on to, to your customers in this instance, you could have charged the same, in my opinion, and probably use that money to fund further other things, research, something like that for those attendees. It, it, there's lots of options. And I think we're just in that moment now where we just have to find our way when it comes to, 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 to pricing. And my other argument for any attendee looking at an event and going, well, I can go to this thing that's free over there. It's costing me nothing. Well, all of a sudden you're the product. You're the thing they're selling to somebody else. Yeah. And, and a lot of the times the things that I see are free are people that are suppliers. So yeah, they're, they're, their absolute reason to provide a free educational event is to, to feed their marketing machine. Yeah. But then there's also going to be a lot of sensitivity that's, that's going to be censored content. It's going to be down there, you know, the, down the route that they want to funnel you. There's going to be no impartiality, all that kind of stuff. And it starts to kind of question it a little bit for me, whether, you know, I can, I can actually see for a lot of free events, people signed up with, you know, anonymous email addresses and all that kind of stuff. And, and because they're worried where, where their data is going to go afterwards. Exactly. Also with the, with, with the free events, right. The, the thing is the attrition rate is, is pretty much, you know, the, the same yeah. as free, free events, you know, in person. Right. So <laughs> they say we got 10,000 people registered. So I guess they get the emails, but actually, you know, in person uh, or on the day, you, you get a couple of thousand people show up because, that commitment isn't there, right? And when the event starts at, you know, 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. and you've had a long day, so I, the last thing I want to do is, you know, go on another kind of like Zoom call or whatever, you know, for the next five hours, right? And send me the recording and then I'll never watch the recording. Um, but here, where when you ask people to pay, they got skin in the game, they're committed, they're going to say, right, you know, I've just paid SASCOT $399, you know, to attend this event, right? right now this is probably not something that i'm going to go let go to waste right I've, I've given that money for a reason i'm going to show up so again i hope and we'll, we'll see that you know our attrition rate you know on the day that we'll see you know three thousand attendees and we'll see you know the majority of them online i'm assuming though as part of that 399 dollars those the for whatever reason let's say just life happens right um which is actually one of the beauties of virtual events actually over face-to-face events if you pay to go face-to-face again and the missus says you're not going because you can't you're not going and you miss that content right so i'm assuming with yours there's a, a an on-demand element after per show for people that have bought tickets is, is that how you're doing it yeah, well, well, actually, what we have right now is um, is a ticket type, uh, which is the most expensive ticket type, which includes the the content mm-hmm. uh, on that. So, so yeah. for right now, uh, people have these kind of tiers uh, and say, well, like, we can come and just watch the content. 
we can come and get all the full features and functionalities, you know, including the networking, the expo, yep. access to private roundtables, and so on. Uh, or we can go for the, 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 you know, the most expensive option, which is $499. And that includes you getting sent, you know, all the content and access to the content after the event. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's what we're doing for the moment um, uh, with regards to the pricing model. Which is, which is not a great deal. If you look at the grand scheme of things on things that people spend money on on a month to month basis, you break that down for less than $40 a month. You know, I'd probably spend more on takeaways, which don't do me or my health or my business yeah. any good whatsoever. Uh, I probably spent more in a bar after an event. Never mind. <laughs> I definitely have yeah so what about what about what about sponsors then because obviously that that makes up a big portion yeah. of, of most events sometimes 50% of the income sometimes 100% of the yeah. income digital is a totally different player right it's, it's yeah. you know it's a different feeling it's a different brand equity thing how have your conversations go with them have you found sponsors up for a virtual event? Do you want, did they want different data and information and statistics back from you? Yeah, to prove, prove yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, it's a good question. Uh, uh, and again, happy to share the insights there. So, you, you know, if we were launching an online event, and again, you know, we've launched it because, I mean, we had thought about it before, but we launched it because we had to, right? Um, uh, and we're in this time and the time of, you know, lockdown and coronavirus and actually, so the, the, the challenges, the two challenges, the big ones that we, we are facing around sort of sponsorships and, it, you know, mm. even around ticket sales and uh, everybody is, will be facing the same, uh, is that first of all, the first challenge that I thought was around the mindset, right? The mindset of our, the typical, you know, buyer, our typical customers. So we, we have... Uh, partners, sponsors that have sponsored us, you know, for uh, four continuous years and have signed up, you know, for the fifth year, right, for, for our, our, our Dublin event. Yeah. Uh, and, and these loyal partners, and they, they do it for many different reasons. You, you know, most of them are the usual ones, you know, brand awareness, uh, you know, thought leadership. Um, some of them because they, they want to, you, you know, they see SASDOP as this annual outing where they can bring the company and, you know, have fun, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and one of those, so like, you know, one of the first people that I went to, uh, was this partner that uh, you, you know has partnered with us for you know, you know four consecutive years and signed up for the fifth year, and uh, the mindset he just d- didn't get it right. It was like yeah. online. Like, he said to me, are, "Are you using Second Life as a virtual platform?" I was like, "No," you, you know. It's like how these prices are ridiculous. Like you know, I would I would pay you, you know something like you know two k and like how can right. you charge yeah. this much, etc. Just totally didn't get it. And he said like, "Look, you, you know." I'd love to help, but I just don't believe, you know, online events, right? Might believe in the future if they're the only option, uh, yeah. right? But but um, but I thought that would be a challenge, and that has been in some cases, like people just not believing in online events and virtual events, and getting that feedback. Our VP of marketing doesn't believe in online events, so we're going to pass, right? Mm-hmm. So we we've seen that as a, an objection um, and, and as a reason that people have declined to participate. The other big challenge that the sales team have and that we have and everybody else will have, right, is that, um, you, you know, the, the recession, you know, it's here or it's coming, right? The big, and, and what we're seeing is, you know, people are being furloughed, uh, you know, pe- huge redundancies. It's going to be the yeah. biggest number of, uh, uh, you know, unemployment, you know, for a long time. Um, it's perhaps going to be the biggest recession for ages. Again, so we're trying to keep it positive, but these, these are the realities, right? Um, and marketing is being really hit you know, with this, right, as well. And people are not, many people are not investing in marketing. Um, uh, some still are, which is, which, is, which is good, right? So we have to find the ones that are. Uh, but many of, you know, these existing partners or new, new customers are just saying, look, 
we are not investing anything in anything, you know, in events, in new people, in pens, you, you know, in, in takeaways, right? We have, you know, stopped all investment, right? And being totally frugal. And we get that. So the team are getting more no's than ever, right? Yeah. So we went, we went into this with like huge optimism, like this is a great idea. It's all looking great. And like, no, 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 no. And then, you know, that affects the morale of the sales team always, right? But the good thing is that they're finding the ways to get the yeses as well and that there are those companies that are investing in this. And I, I actually, uh, what I don't have the, is the complete answer like for you as to why are these companies investing and these ones not, right? I think some of them are doing it out of support for Sastock because they yep. want to see us succeed, right? Uh, there is this empathy. We have a good relationship with them. Yep. They have the ability to invest right now. And they want us to succeed for all the work that we've done over the years with the community and, and help them. So there, there is that. Uh, and that will not be a reason for them to invest again in, you know, our online event in 2021, right? It can't always be this almost, you know, sympathy, empathy type of yeah. like, we want you to get through this, right? So that that's kind of one reason. But then we've got all these kind of new uh, partners uh, like joining as well that we have no relationships in and want to be involved, want to be a part of it, uh, which is great. Um, and I, I want to find out actually why they're still investing in marketing, but also it's changing week by week, right? The, the dynamics, or the, the, the world of sales and marketing, like we have conversations with somebody last week and it's a verbal the next week they've decided to stop investing in marketing and, and so on. And, so it, right now, like how to sell, how to market is, is changing on a weekly basis. Um, yeah. But we're, we're seeing people like when we came up with that pricing deck for the partnerships, right? Again, nothing to go on, right? We're, nothing in the market to go on because we were, you know, one of the, fir the, the first movers, right? In, 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 in doing this. There, obviously, virtual events happen in the past and I haven't seen any, any, any decks. So um, how do we get to the, the pricing, right? I had to say, okay, well, again, costs are going to be lower, mm -hmm. right? So our pricing should be lower. Uh, this is the first time we're doing an online event. So we should take that into consideration as well. However, you know, what we're doing is bringing the same quantity and quality of people to uh, these partners, right? And then they're looking at it. How many leads are they going to get? What is the mm -hmm. ROI going to be from that? We're going to work for 90 days to bring these people you know, to them. There is a value on that. And here is the value that I place on that, which I think is very reasonable. Uh, and that's how we came to, to these prices. And uh, yeah, like uh, as we see, like initially some people just didn't get it, like had like so much lower, you know, uh, because they're thinking about digital marketing and advertising, yeah. but it's not, you know. Um, and, and so there is going to be an education process, I think, this year. Yeah. Uh, to people and understand and, and the people that didn't get it you, you know I'm going to invite them there and, and so have a look for yourself right um, and then maybe let, let's talk about the next one um, but uh, but some people again and I think this is we've been quite fortunate in SaaS and being in this space because SaaS companies they're often quite forward-thinking and like mm -hmm. like to invest in new technologies and new ideas and they're early adopters like on the most part with that with that mindset um, a yeah. lot of them are so that's been beneficial for like they they take these risks they like things they look at it and say you know what is the value and, and, and kind of go for it so i think it's a, it's a good market uh, for us in, in that respect whilst it's a difficult market in terms of the times you, you know in the, uh, the 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 sort of recession right so um 
but yeah, so I, I, I think like we didn't have much to go on, but we looked at it from a value base. Like what, what, what do we, how do we value this? And, and here's the price. And that's how we can explain it and justify it. If yeah. you believe in it without being, you know, having that kind of founder belief and getting upset that people think that, you know, it should be a quarter of the price. Right. But, um, but yeah, it's been proven to be, uh, to, to work well. So the, the team created a massive pipeline in a very short period of time, uh, in about two weeks, you know, huge interest. And then we started to get the first sales in, in week three. And, and sort of now we're, we're only in week four, actually, to think about like how quickly things have yeah. moved. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with like, you know, where we've got to and the, the, the partners that we brought on board. Um, so it, it, it's, uh, it, it's exciting times. I think your team should be extremely proud. Um, and you as an individual who's obviously at, uh, also behind the scenes, probably manage a whole business and investors and, and all that kind of stuff with all that other business stuff going off, right. Of like, what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, uh, monies all that kind of stuff so there's there's like a whole business behind just selling yeah. an event and sponsorship right and i think anybody listening to this who's going through the same process as you will probably take great comfort in hearing that you're having some of the similar um knows and um, and we are at event News and event take live you know we we understand people are going to make sometimes rash decisions the decision to commit even though they want to is going to be taken out of their hands um, by higher powers or other people that kind of stuff um, and, and irrational decisions are going to be made. I think when it comes to people that are invested in marketing, they're the ones that, as we like to dub them, they're the ones that are getting ready to restart, right? They're, they're the ones that are going, right, okay, now is the time to keep the eyeballs on us and keep those conversations going and remind people that we're still here. So when they are really willing to spend on SaaS software or event tech or whatever that might process might be, we're the first people that come to their mind and yeah. we've already built on that relationship because let's be honest with you, our sales cycle in most businesses is not 24 hours, it's months, possibly even years, depending on the size of that, that yeah. figure, right? So yeah, I think those people that are investing now, even though things are uncertain, are the, one, are the, are the type of people that win big on the stock market, the type of yeah. people that win big on, in, in casinos and things like that, because they go, right, let's, let's throw something into the mix now. Yeah. Because any marketing is a bet on the whole, that's not changed. It's just we, and, and in some cases, not necessarily events or what you're doing, but I know people in the, in the digital marketing, because everybody's kind of, a lot of people have done the same there with, with uh, pay-per-click and all that kind of stuff. All of a sudden, all the CPMs and all that kind of stuff have come crashing down. So it's never been cheaper to market your business through those kind of avenues at the moment. Mm. Get, get the same amount of eyeballs for, for a lot less cash. And also probably while their competitors not marketing, that's not somebody they're competing with. So, um, you know, we're in the, we're in the business of, of events and advertising and marketing and all that kind of stuff. So it's easy for us to say now is the time to, to do it. But yeah. realistically, if you can afford to, if that investment was there already and business continuity is as it was anyway, then it's absolutely now the time to capitalize on that and, and take advantage of those. And I think for me personally, when it comes to virtual, there are some, very clever things that can be done with virtual um, events that have been trying to be replicated in physical events, which is about tracking and retargeting and, and all this kind of great stuff, which for a brand can be a great way to, to follow that person around and nurture them and, and get them to their website or get them to their lead gen bit piece or whatever. And that can't really take place at a face-to-face -face event. You know, if somebody walks past your stand and looks at your stand and their eyeballs are there and they walk off, unless they've engaged with you, you don't know who they are. 
Um, whereas if they come to your website or they come to your exhibitor booth on a virtual event platform, there's information that as organizers, we can pass back to that to that sponsor and that exhibitor to give them an indication of who's come on, you know, yeah. the, the same as the blog post and stuff like that. So I personally am confident that the evolution of virtual events will become more and more and they'll, they'll, they'll play a role in allowing us to offer different types of, of sponsorship and, and exhibits and opportunity. Maybe even in a case where, you know, we've got the 20K to sponsor, but we've not got the 20K to, to fly the team over. Um, we want to do it, but we're more sustainability focused this year where we've got a CSR target to meet and sending people to Dublin doesn't meet that criteria. But actually, we still want to get involved in the virtual element of the event. And from your point of view as a as an event organizer, maybe it gives you the opportunity to extend the lifespan of the event without actually having more physical event, which is always the biggest part of the cost, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I know uh, I'm just thinking back to what your your, your kind of earlier question, you know, about the pros, and I think may, maybe I, I stopped at cost there, but you're talking about you know sustainability and accessibility, uh, and I think also efficiency, you, you know, are, are yeah. some of the keys, right? So. From the sustainable side, we know that a lot of the world is, is, you know, kind of like moving towards that sort of like mindset. And is it necessary for me to get on that plane, right? Uh, and, and thinking about that, right? So we, we've seen, this especially, you know, uh, uh, over the last while, you know, Greta Thunberg and, you know, talking about that, that certain people are being called out for, you know, taking these long flights and companies really kind of thinking about this and can we do this on Zoom, right? Mm -hmm. So very much similar can we do this? Can we get the same benefit online, you know, with an online conference? Well, the answer like to the most part, you know, is yes for like what the businesses are looking for. Obviously there are certain things that, that are missing. Accessibility, you know, doing SaaS.remote, remote, this opens us up. Like we're doing this as a global event rather than a kind of regional event. And mm -hmm. again, we'll have some learnings from that to kind of share whether that was the right thing or not. Cause we we're kind of crossing multiple time zones. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, it opens up the kind of market, but also to the people that usually couldn't come to or don't come to events. Right. So we may have people and we certainly do in our community, uh, that maybe they don't like going out of their house. Right. Uh, maybe they can't because they got, you know, family or, you, you know, kind of like, uh, sort of challenges there. Yeah. Um, that maybe they don't like flying, uh, you know, whatever it is. Right. But now they can attend and participate right from the safety, you know, and comfort of their, of their own home. So this opens up, you, you know, this whole kind of new space, uh, you know, for people there. Uh, and, and I think efficiency as well, what we've seen, um, I think both like from a speaker recruitment, like an insight on that, um, uh, side, you know, because we, we're quite heavily focused on content, uh, but also like from a participation side, right? So to come to Sastock in Dublin, you know, in October, right? Uh, and I, I do recommend everybody does. I'm not sure about this year. We'll, we will kind of look, figure that one out. Uh, but, um, you, you know, we get people like the last one, we had people flying in from 70 countries, right? Uh, and as, uh, like as far, as far away as like the Marshall Islands, you know, it was like how 13,000 miles or something like that. But, you know, it, it's a big commitment. You're out of the office for a week. Right. Mm -hmm. But again, if, if the value is there, then that's kind of justified, um, you, you know, but th this time away from the office, the time away from home, the time away for your employees. Right. I mean, I've certainly been to a number of events where I've been like, was that worth three days out of the office? Right. Um, and, uh, and and I've been very inefficient and actually I should have been doing other things. Right. Yeah. So um, I've had so many of those, right? And you've also missed out the four days it takes you to recover because you've been on yeah. the lash for three days. <laughs> exactly. You feel awful and you get sick, right? Um, uh, but, uh, 
but yeah, exactly. You've had some fun, but you 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 haven't been productive, right? Mm. But but with with an online event, again, you, you can just be super efficient from a time perspective. You know, everybody kind of joins, you know, from, from home or, or like from their office and go into the kind of you, you know the the sessions. We don't expect people are going to be there for eight hours a day yeah. every day. It's a new world, you know, online. The the, the focus, the attention is going to be limited. You're going to have your kids kind of like, you know, needing your attention. You're going to need to go for lunch, uh, you know, and so on. So there's no catering online, which is a benefit for, for uh, you know, organizers. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, uh, delivery voucher and an Uber Eats voucher or something like that. Exa- exactly. But yeah, so there, there, there are these, you, you know, like different sort of pros, you know, for, for, for virtually online and profitability, I, th- I think, is, a, is another one. I talked to, well, I talked about the cost for people to attend, right, uh, being a benefit, but for an event organizer, you know, if you get it right, uh, you, you know, the profit margins are so much higher uh, from doing this online. So yeah. one of the things that I, I'm sort of, you know, think, thinking about as well, you know, we have these five conferences that, or well, now we've kind of put them to four, four in-person conferences. Do we in 2021 keep, you know, doubling, uh, you know, that being a kind of like great event and make the others, you know, online, right? Uh, and make them more profitable, but not have to fly, you, you know, all the way to Singapore and accrue all those, you know, risks yeah. and those costs yeah. uh, and pay for all that catering and, you, you know, uh, do all of that when actually you can do it for much cheaper and bring people together. Like it's, it's a thought, right? And see where and the that could goes. still be regional, right? That could yeah. still be within yeah. their time zones. If there's language and things like that, that could be worked with and, and people can tune in when it makes more sense to them rather than, having to wake up at four o'clock in the morning or stay up until, you know, 12 o'clock at night to kind of engage with some content. And, and nobody's really going to be happy about sitting at 11 o'clock at night watching a conference, right? So I think, I think that actually makes sense that, that the virtual element can still happen within that time zone for that region and, and be tailored towards that without necessarily having to have a physical element. If that makes sense for everybody, not only you as an organizer, including your team, but those people that, you know, would have, would have potentially attended that event. Um, Alex, I'm conscious of time, but I do have one, one question for you. The barrier now has never been so low for somebody who has never been an event organizer before to yeah. launch a virtual event. Yeah. Do you see that as a challenge as an organizer going forward? Do you think there's the potential for virtual event burnout, the same as Zoom burnout? Are we all just going to be like, no, oh, it's just another thing? Does it also muddy the water somewhat from who is a professional event organizer like yourself, who's built years of experience and trust and the right speakers, the right content to somebody who goes, I can do this. And then does it amazingly badly and gives everybody in the industry a bad name or any virtual event a bad name based on experience? Yeah. 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 Good, good question. So, I mean, what, what I've seen, uh, like everybody's doing webinars like right now. And, uh, so, and they're like, webinars are flying. This is great. You know, for two weeks, and then all of a sudden, like the last sort of like week or so, I've seen like a bit of a webinar backlash, like not another webinar. Yeah. Oh my God, like webinars suck. Like everybody hates webinars, right? Uh, and, and again, like everybody's doing virtual conferences, right? Everybody, you know, and their mother is, is doing a virtual event because the barrier to entry is so low. Uh, and I, I, I think there, there will be, you know, there'll be a lot of noise. But again, I think if you have a, have a brand, have an audience, that like people know what you deliver, uh, and they have trust in you, right? I think trust is going to be like, so I, I, what I've seen is a lot of new uh, virtual events being launched. And I actually think whilst the barrier to entries are really low, and I, I do encourage people to like have a go and try this thing, you know, if they've got kind of reasons before it, 
I think now is probably not a great time to launch, you, you know, uh, a, a conference, right? Whether it, you know, virtual, certainly it's a bad time to launch an in-person conference, oh, right? Yeah, but, that's no but, doubt. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, but to launch a virtual event when you've done nothing, you, you know, before, it's probably quite difficult because, you know, you're going to be up against a lot of competition, right? You're going to be up against, you know, leaders in the market. Um, it, people don't know you, they don't trust you. Like it, it could be tough again, unless your, your event is free. Right. Um, yeah. so I think barriers to entry are low and you could maybe you, you need to kind of like start small if you can, uh, think about this kind of that longer journey and, you know, and building up and building up this audience and delivering value and not just going like, Hey, virtual events are a, a trend. I'm going to create something. I'm going to, you know, sell tickets for like $500. I'm going to make shitloads of money and actually then realize, you know, prepare yourself like for the fall because it, you know, it's not going to be as easy as that. So yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think I, I, on the flip side, I think that probably one of the benefits of virtual, um, especially coming from where we have, which is to build a community first. I think that many event, or, or I say budding event organizers um, ask me, what's, what's, what's the biggest piece of advice you would do before launching an event? And it was build a community first, right? There's so many platforms out there, LinkedIn, if it's B2B, Facebook, if it's B2C, there's Twitter, etc. You can very easily set groups and networking opportunities up for people of a niche and a like-minded to, to communicate and, and provide content through them into their hands build that community first and then launch an event once you've got that community rather than try and launch something that people that you don't know where they are are going to buy into because that's so hard. Yeah. But actually what I think virtual events could offer them as a positive when they've never been that professional event organizer before is proof of concept, right? Can we take this community? Can we get them engaged enough online through content and drive some revenues through selling tickets and sponsorship that that then warrants us saying, Hey guys, because of the success of that, we're going to bring you together if you want to come together and, and you know, meet. And that's the way esports has gone, right? Esports yeah. has gone from people gaming around the world to all of a sudden these in-person tournaments that are happening. They've skipped that bridge. They've skipped the virtual bit because the game kind of takes care of yeah. that, right? Yeah. But we've never had that as, as, as a world for, for events. And I think now a positive of what virtual events could offer is a lower barrier to entry to those people to bridge that gap and make sure they're making the right decision before they waste a huge amount of time or even worse, don't do things seriously, don't take health and safety seriously, all that kind of stuff that then gets them locked up and in jail and imprisoned and stuff yeah. because if unfortunately someone's died on site and they're the ones responsible. Yeah. Um, so, you know, on a positive spin, I think that's possibly one. Um, I just hope that. Um, People use it in the right way rather than just let's throw something out there to see what, what sticks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I guess, um, yeah, for, from a proof of concept point of view and even like being like quick to fail, right? You, you can yeah. succeed, succeed or not. And, uh, and given that the barriers are entry to low, that you're not going to maybe uh, have so much risk, you know, on, on yourself apart from it didn't work, but I tried, right? And I guess, yeah. you know, unless you try, you don't know. Uh, so that's always good. And, and the barriers to entry for events being low was actually, you know, one of the reasons that, uh, one of the reasons I, I considered actually it, it would work because like initially I just had to put down a small deposit, you know, for a conference venue sure. and then figure it out as, as, as I went, <laughs> right? Uh, but, but here you perhaps don't even need to put down a deposit and just build a landing page and, you know, just kind of go for it, right? And yeah. I see what happens. So yeah, like we could see, we could see, you know, 
a whole new kind of landscape and you know, some new exciting events. And I, I, do, I do hope so, but I think there might be some, you know, opportunists that like, don't have an audience and like might be just coming in and uh, might struggle and like, but fair play, I guess, if, if, if they've tried, right? It's all, it's all the uh, students that are going to be coming out of event management degrees and, and stuff over the next sort of three years that worry me. They're, they're tech savvy, they're hungry, they've got nothing to lose whatsoever. But that's better for our industry, you know. The more virtual events are, I'm sure that will feed back in. They're not, it's not going to all of a sudden replace it face-to-face, right? No. It's just going to help feed the ecosystem that the face-to-face events economy has. And, and in somewhat... I think overcome this battle which is digital versus physical right like it's it's one or the other there's going to be this gap in, and this bridging element in between which will bring everything a lot more closer together yeah um, and even maybe create new opportunities for people to be the professional virtual event organizer um, and that kind of stuff so I think there's 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 huge positives obviously we've been forced somewhat into it um to, to increase the adoption rate now um which obviously I, I would imagine that nobody would have preferred um but it's good to see that that technology is out there there's individuals like yourself with great teams that are forward thinking and can act quick and, and pull together i'm really excited to see what you and your team have pulled together um mate thanks so much for your time today i think your insight and your experience and, and your background has been extremely insightful to me and i'm sure people listening to this now for anybody that wants to connect with you or check out sas stock and sas stock remote where can they go uh forward slash remote uh to, to check out sas remote uh for me i'm uh, on twitter at alex thuma on linkedin uh alexander thuma so check me out there um but yeah like really enjoyed speaking with you thanks so much for inviting me to be on the show and happy to share those learnings uh also happy you know we're still on that journey to figuring out you know is it going to work but i'm confident it will but happy to share learnings you know down the line as to what we learned along the way and what worked what didn't work um, well let's let's absolutely do a part two i'll, I'll give you a couple of days because i'm sure it's going to be as stressful as a physical event <laughs> but i'd love to do a part two to this of like okay now you've done it would you do it again kind of scenario yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like no uh, but yeah. Mate, thanks so much again. Um, if you, anybody listening to it or watching this today, if you've liked what you hear, please do share it with your network. If you're thinking about maybe organizing a virtual event or doing it, maybe buy a ticket to, to Alex's event and um, check it out and, and see how they're doing it. That's worthwhile. Anybody $400, I think, in, in terms of learning. Um, Alex, again, thank you for very, uh, very much for coming on today and hopefully we'll speak soon. No, thanks for having me.